The Masters of Divinity would like to remind their audience that JP and Father Chuck are not journalists, pundits, or experts on today's subject matter. They are mere podcasters, and while that means they can do 500 sit-ups a day, they should not be used as a new source. Masters of Divinity is an entertainment podcast, designed to be funny and thoughtful, so please do not storm Area 51, it is a heavily guarded military base, and they will shoot you on sight. I've seen them do it, my brother Kyle was built on a military base, and they tortured and killed a guy who tried to release him. Kyle is still there, and I think about him every day. Stay strong, brother. You will be delivered from bondage soon enough. Anyway, enjoy the show, and please don't take this too seriously. Hey mom, there's something in the back room. Hope it's not the creature from above. You used to read me stories, as if my dreams were boring. We all know conspiracies are dumb. What if people knew that these were real? I'd leave my closet door open all night. I know the CIA would say, what you hear is all hearsay. I wish someone would tell me what was right. Hello, I'm JP, the moderator of this podcast, Masters of Divinity, and I am here with Father Chuck. What up? Father Chuck, how you doing? You know, I'm, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Feeling, uh... Very good. But yeah, I, I was, I was going to say something, like, I don't know, I was going to talk about surfing, I was gonna, but like, it feels all, like, outside of our subject matter. <laughs> Did you watch the season premiere of Rick and Morty? I did not. It was really good. Not yet. It's great. They premiered it in space. Oh, nice. They put, they made like a little, uh, you know, Rick's UFO. Mm Mm-hmm. They put like a little Rick and a little Morty inside a UFO and actually launched it into space. (laughs) And they put like a little LCD screen in the UFO and they played the episode. And you could see it. (laughs) You could watch it. It's on YouTube. That's that's pretty funny. Something about that kind of reminds me of uh, something I think about weirdly a lot. Which was when uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force uh, premiered their movie on Adult Swim. Yeah. But it was just like in a little box in the corner of the screen <laughs> playing the whole time, like throughout all the Adult Swim shows. <laughs> no audio. That's funny. I think I remember that. Oh. Well, um, so this week we have a really, really interesting subject. Something that Chuck and I are very passionate about. Oh, yeah. And you might say, really? You're talking about this again? Well, it's prescient this time. Um, We mentioned a couple episodes ago about the possibilities of the existence of aliens. Maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, But so far, it has been confirmed by our own government that there are unidentified flying objects out there. Or Uh, as unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, correct. Uh, UAPs, UAPs. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, if you're not familiar with what's happening, I'd like to go into a little rap. I mean, I'm not going to like rap. I mean, I mean like, a, like, a, like a rap. Okay, so in 2017, 
The New York Times released an article titled Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. Uh, the article revealed there was a department within the Pentagon known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, also known as ATIP. The department was practically buried and covered up by the Pentagon, despite the fact that of the $600 billion spent on Defense Department budgets, $22 million went to ATAP. I'm going to have a hard time with this. I'm going to call it ATAP, ATIP. ATIP. Right. The report revealed that, according to Defense Department officials, ATIP has been investigating cases of unidentified flying objects, or UFOs, headed by military intelligence official Luis Guzman. No. Luis Elizondo. Every time I see Luis, I have to say Guzman. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The DoD had claimed for years that the program was shut down in 2012, but the program's backers say that while the Pentagon ended the funding... The program remains in existence, and in that time, ATIP has continued their investigation into UFOs, something that's reported to them regularly. In 2017, the program produced evidence that show aircraft that move at very high velocities with no visible signs of propulsion, or that hovered with no apparent means of lift, such as these three videos. Chuck, are you ready? I'll send it to you over signal where they can't find it. <laughs> Are we gonna leave this part in? I just. <laughs> oh, I should have worn tinfoil. Was that? Would that be too much? Maybe. Okay. Uh, I've got it up now. All right. Okay. So this first one is uh, this is over Florida, off the coast of Florida, in 2015. The thing about these, that I always find weird, is like because the, the graininess of this video, it's like. I mean, okay, how do we know that it's not, how do you know it you can get like a gnat on your camera? Yeah, and like the first time I saw it, I just like totally ignored it while everyone was freaking out because I feel like I've seen all this before because mm-hmm. I used to watch sightings a lot in the 90s. But then like, look at the way it moves. Like, yeah. that camera is, is locked on them. That's what that means. Right. And then there's that one right there flying over. That's the ocean, yeah? Yeah. So, so this is the, the second one. This is also over Florida. Um, and like, but, that's the thing people don't seem to understand is like the size of this thing. Yeah relatively speaking and the pilots are freaking out too which oh, means yeah. like, like that's so it's not a fly you know <laughs> it looks like a typo um yeah so it's yeah it, it's crazy but, uh, fast i you know and one of the things we can talk about here too is what gets me is the consistency of the whole cigar shape yeah tic tac they say it's shaped like a tic tac yeah because have you ever seen the uh, reports from um San Francisco in like 1885 or whatever. Uh, I don't think so. This one, this last one, by the way, this is the one from 2004 over San Diego. Okay. Because San Diego. This is the one that's kind of crazy because it had like an aura. It was like glowing. Yeah. So that's. This is the one that just like takes off at the end. Just like pieces out. Or is that the last one? You saw the wheel. That's what I was thinking too. There's some other photos I have, and like when I see it, when I'm like, oh my god, maybe it's the chariot. Or no, the the first one. It looked like a spinning top. I was like, yeah. is that the wheel? Is that the dreidel, dreidel, dreidel? <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy to think that like the dreidel is like tapping into some yeah. ancient vision of these things? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, 
Yeah, this one I don't really. There's not motion, so it's kind of hard to kind of figure out what we're looking at here. Yeah, it's an older video. Yeah. But this is taken from an F-18 over the coast of San Diego, off the coast of San Diego in 2004. Oh, there we go. There it goes. Boom. It just pieces out yeah. of there. And that's the thing that gets. So let me just say that part of what, part of what, leads me to believe that there's something definitely something worth checking out here is the consistency of the descriptions over the like centuries at this point. Yeah. So what were you saying about a cigar shape in the 1800s in San Francisco? So I think it's like 1896 San Francisco. That's one of the earliest recorded UFO sighting things like in like U.S. Air, newspapers or whatever yeah. is um, is uh, that people were recording or reporting these like flying machines over the city. They were glowing fly, flying machines and they were described as zeppelins. So, right. So, I mean, think about like in that time, like this is your frame of reference, right? Because this is the deal with the way the human brain works is that we have to have metaphor in order to like a deal with emergent phenomena. Right. So they describe them as a type of Zeppelin. So again, an oblong cigar shaped flying machine. Right. And that was in the 1800s. Yeah. And that's just that's just consistent. Like if you like, I like said, those I, Renaissance paintings with all those like machines in the background that people always talk about. Right, right, yeah. I mean, like if you watched, like I said, I, I watched sightings a lot in the '90s, which is one of my favorite shows of all time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All they talk about is cigars in the sky. Yeah. Every Fox show, X Files, talk about cigars. It's always a cigar. Yep. <clears throat> and you know, it's kind of consistent with what we're seeing in this footage. And it gets even more weirder, Chuck. That's the footage that was released 2017. Uh, and since then, there actually have been numerous other releases of footage, photos, and testimony of unidentified, of unidentified flying objects, or as Tip calls them, the unexplained aerial phenomenon. All right, these next, this next, this evidence that I have for you next, Chuck. Uh, the Naval Air Station Oceana is the center of air power on the east coast of the United States. It is a sprawling naval air station in Virginia. Since at least 2014, F-18 pilots flying into the zone designated W-72 have reported encounters with a bizarre array of unknown, unidentified objects and aircraft positioned directly in their daily flight paths. Investigators with the Pentagon's UAP task force have requested that airmen try to document their encounters. On March 4th, 2019, one of them did. An F-18 weapon system officer, seated behind the pilot, used his iPhone to capture images of three different objects he encountered in the same airspace. So I'm going to send those photos to you right now over Signal. Um, you know, we had one. We had a UFO, a UAP sighting here in Hawaii a couple months back. Really? People on the beach here in Oahu saw it, and it like went into the ocean, but like there was no splash. Like it just weird. That could have been a meteor. No, because it was like hovering around the sky, and then it dropped. Like it could have been a hovering meteor. <laughs> it could have been a meteor attached to a UFO. Um, <laughs> it turns out where Earth is just sort of like where they dump their garbage. <laughs> okay, so this first one, Chuck, it seems a little. Uh, uh, insignificant, maybe. Perhaps a little anticlimactic, because it's a little speck in the sky, right? Yeah. They call this one the acorn. It's a little guy. little, yeah, like, okay. okay, what is it? It could be a fly, whatever. Okay. Let me send you a closer image. Am I going to, like, have one of those moments where I look like Joaquin Phoenix in 
in signs. signs when he sees the alien walk in front of the camera at the Brazilian birthday party, which is most, one of the most terrifying. I hope so, scenes. Chuck. Okay, Chuck. There's the close up of the acorn. Okay. It looks like a craft to me. It does. Okay. Yeah. It look. I mean, it kind of looks like the underside of like a like a stealth bomber almost, right? Like it's pointed down. Yeah. It's coming out of orbit or something. Yeah. Here's the next one. This one kind of puzzles me because to me, it, I don't see a craft. I see like like something going into a uh, sonic boom or something. Sonic boom. <laughs> I was gonna make a guile joke too. It's like we're on the same wavelength there. Ooh. Yeah, that definitely looks like when like like when you see like a SpaceX rocket yeah. section separate. Now this one, now Chuck, okay. I've shown you the acorn, I've shown you the close up of acorn. They look like these these are so far we're just we just have objects, right? Right, right. This one this one freaks me out a little. The what? The one that you just sent me? The the, the no, burst looking one? The, the next one. Like one. The one I'm about to send you right now. Okay, it freaks you out. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like I could explain away those two a little bit. This one, I don't know. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. See, you don't need a close-up of that one. Like... It kind of it kind of looks like at first like I look at it, I'm like oh it sort of looks like the Mandalorian ship and then I'm like oh, it kind of <laughs> also looks like the thing from Fly of the Navigator but oh yeah they call this one the metallic blimp these are confirmed by the Pentagon as as UFOs like officially these are UFOs I've never seen I've never seen this one before yeah that that just I mean that is that's a spaceship <laughs> like that or uh, something that's supposed to look like a spaceship see that's the one that freaks me out man like I don't know about that one like I've got I've got nothing except spaceship that looks like a spaceship right and there's no denying that I think is the question of of whether or not it's like terrestrial or not is the big conversation yeah and the fact that these things seem to be defying physics is where Right, and there are interviews, 60 Minutes, I mentioned in, in the Blunderhead episode, that 60 Minutes is special, and um, they interviewed pilots who had who have seen these things, and they're saying they're moving at like, it was like 60 miles per hour in like 15 seconds or something, or... Quite faster than that, 60 miles per like 50... No, 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 a, I mean... A, a trick moved, that Honda Civic can do... It moved 60 miles in 15 seconds. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's gotcha. what I mean. Like, they're tracking them, and, like, they these things, like, come towards you. Apparently, they're the size of uh, commercial uh, commercial jets. Mm-hmm. They're huge. And they're, like, coming towards our fighters. <laughs> like, one guy said, like, one of them, like, looked at him and came toward him and chased him down. And then, like, it disappeared. And they saw it again, like, 60 miles away. I heard a theory the other day that I read somewhere, a comment on some article or something where somebody put out this notion that that the reason that the government is embracing and letting us sort of believe that there's aliens is that it distracts us from the fact that there's clear that we are that we are hilariously 
out of touch technologically in terms of our military and that some foreign government has this technology. And so they'd rather us believe that it's an alien rather than like China or something. That makes sense. Um, U.S. military superiority is like probably the one thing not probably one thing keeping us from getting nuked <laughs> like or just like constantly messed with on a daily basis by China and Russia. I could see that. Or this is some super secret mil U.S. military operation that is like being done to sort of social engineer us as a society to see like how we react to this information. Which is strange because like there's a whole department <laughs> dedicated to finding U.S. technology made by the military, like the Pentagon investigating itself, covering yeah. up the investigation of itself. <laughs> I don't know. It's like Section 31 in Starfleet, man. Yeah. Um, but the guy who headed up this department, the uh, ATIP, uh, Luis Elizondo, Elizondo, he was the guy that kind of was like the whistleblower behind all of this in 2017. He leaked, he's the one that leaked all this footage and all this information, all these documents to New York Times. And he did it because he couldn't take the secrecy and all of the uh, covering up and pushback because he wanted he wanted the world to know about all this or he wanted our country to know about all this because there needs to be research done you know if if we're outgunned by something it doesn't matter if it's china or russia or mars we need to know we need to research it further yeah well it's it, it reminds me of um one of the stories i remember seeing on one of you know as you know and some of the some of our regular listeners know that i am that I have been known to be an avid consumer of the UFO documentary genre on <laughs> like midday history channel. Right. And in one of those, I remember that um, they talked about how one of the things Jimmy Carter had said during the campaign to become president, you know, cause that was a lot, that was like during a time when there was a lot of big speculation about UFOs and stuff. And he said that you'd let the American public know. And the story goes that as soon as he was sworn in, one of the first things he did was he asked the CIA director at the time for information about this. He's like, I'd like all the files. And he was told, no, right. he can't have it. And that that CIA director was George H.W. Bush. Right. So it's kind of, you know, it is kind of interesting that we've gone through sort of like a cycle of a generation, a particular political elite group that, you know, now that they're, you know, done or dead, <laughs> yeah. um, that now this stuff is being discussed again in a little bit more open way. And the, what it takes politically is someone higher up to to move things, not so much, you know, mm -hmm. little people. Like, they can always be written off as crazy or stupid or as, like, mistaken, whatever. Uh, you know, you, they, there's this whole stigma created now where it's, like, airmen are told not to report it because you'll look like, a, like an idiot. Mm -hmm. And so they don't do it, even though they see it every single day. But well, it, you take someone like this guy, Elizondo, who like actually kind of grew a conscience over, and I was like, no, we got to know about this. But at the same time, since he quit, since he resigned, uh, he's been going on like crank podcasts <laughs> and like, you know, UFO shows and like talking about aliens and stuff. You know, he probably knows enough to act mysterious about it and like create mm -hmm. a career out of that. There definitely probably are UFOs that are scary from other countries or some billionaire who wants to blow up the world or something. I don't know. But like this guy can just be like, it might be aliens and I wouldn't know because I was ahead of the department. And, you know, that's a more exciting, lucrative right. career than a secret government job. Right. But again, the big the big issue to me in all of this and where that 
I think stymies that skepticism a little bit is that we're, we're talking about like right now, but let's talk about, let's, let's think about the fact that these, these things have been seen for a decade. Let's just talk about like the decades since like the fifties that, you know, like guys who fly commercial airline pilots, fighter jet pilots, they all claim to see this stuff. Mm -hmm. And when they do talk about it, there's a shocking degree of consistency. And if, if it's a, if it is a, some kind of a foreign military power, one, you would think the technology would be improving, but it's consistent from what they're saying. The other thing is, is that why wouldn't that, like if you're, you're obviously trying to be seen, right? If the thing like, okay, if the thing is looking at the pilot and following them around, yeah, you're trying to be seen. That's true. Okay. They're not being so, very discreet in that regard. Yeah. So if you're trying to be seen and you're a government that has this power, you would think at some point you would make a claim that it's you. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, uh, you know, various like Islamic radical groups like ISIS and others, like they'll jump and claim stuff that they never did just because, yeah, you know, they, 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 they want to piggyback on it for that recognition. So you would think at least some other government would be like, oh, it's ours, yeah, it's ours, you know, but like nobody's doing that. Yeah. Um, and so that to me leads it's either some like hilariously clandestine American military experiment that we're winding up like investigating ourselves, which shows, <laughs> you know, which is it, which reveals its own type of ineptitude, which I think right. would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, or, or it's some form of natural phenomenon that we just don't have the capability of understanding. And we're interpreting it based off of our own like mental capabilities, right? Like, you know, we, it's a period, let's just say it's like periodola, right? We, we we see this thing and we interpret it we interpret its behaviors in a certain way but like if it's just completely natural phenomenon it's not actually doing anything we're just interpreting it a certain way yeah well it's like you said it could be space junk you made it that joke earlier about just you know, we just just piles of trash falling out of the sky we think it's ufos <laughs> right because i know i mean like the the, the the you know the science but i mean the thing is there would be some sort of a fire trail or something right because of the friction of it re-entering the atmosphere unless that doesn't always happen i don't know but um the other but then the, and but then the, the, the last conclusion is it, it's freaking aliens or and no one's mentioned this. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm the one that has to bring it up. Uh, interdimensional beings. I mean, same thing. Same difference. You think interdimensional beings are more believable than extraterrestrial beings? Oh, totally. Totally. Absolutely. Hmm. I think there's more evidence of uh, different dimensions, alternate realities, than there are of uh, planets with intelligent life and i will yeah. not expand on that <laughs> i mean i've read stuff about it. i just say you know i'm just not smart enough to retain it i should probably okay. mention at the top of this that we're not journalists um, oh yeah we're yeah. not <laughs> we're not pundits we're not experts in any way please don't use us as a news source for all this stuff I'll well, post I mean, all my new stuff, and you can use you that. You can use me as a new source for like theology because I'm kind of yeah. sort of theologian. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be great <laughs> if I like wind up on some crackpot podcast. Like I become like this like UF. You become the aliens guy. I don't care. I, I don't care about being a bishop. I don't care about any of that stuff. I care 
Give me on, give me on the History Channel UFO documentaries. I want to be that guy. Remember there are plenty of be... there are plenty of podcasts out there, my friend. There well, are probably saying, worse like, if you I, want to. I, I, there we go. There's my career. I'd love to be like Father Browning, the priest who shows up on the Crackpot UFO documentary on the History <laughs> Channel. That, that's it. I will if that happens to me. I will consider it like the highlight of my of my career. Yeah, to be able to like talk about the theological ramifications. Maybe we maybe we can get a hold of the aliens or interdimensional beings. Maybe we can get a hold of the Unarians. They probably are. They probably they probably got some opinions about all of this. The Unarians. This yeah. is the galaxy light, right? The what? Wait, no. Remind me, the Unarians. And we did a whole episode about this. It's been the, a while. The Unarians are a UFO cult. A UFO cult. Oh yeah. And they uh, what what kind of makes them unique is that well, first of all, they're not a suicide cult, which is nice. Yeah. Um, they, uh, what they do, they, they're, they're filmmakers, uh, but they're very much on the low budget side. And whenever they get like a new, new member and, and they share their testimony, they recreate it with their oh. filmmaking. And so they have all these testimonies that are sort of recreated, like these like cheap sets and stuff, which I find fascinating. Uh, anyway, I, I might join them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. But let's get them on the show. I mean, we're still being reviewed. We're still. I think what it is is that we're still being, you know, considered for uh, membership in the uh, Galactic Federation of Light. Is what I. <laughs> well, and then there's the other. How about this? What if? What if they're friggin' angels? I mean, the the Bible is pretty specific on what angels look like, which what? is horrifying. Speaking of, I read about. Um, I read a description of the angel Azrael. Yeah. His body is described as being made up of a thousand tongues. Oh God, that's that that is like some H.P. Lovecraft stuff, dude. Like that's not touched by an angel. Like, dude, what if we? You there? You go. You should talk to Blumhouse about making like a horror reboot of Touched by an Angel, but like it's like a Pan's Labyrinth looking angel. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, we we did see that picture of the sphere, which didn't look like a craft to me. It looked like, I don't know, it looked like a like a like a some kind of natural phenomenon occurring, like a portal opening to another dimension, perhaps. But um, I but the reason I brought up the angelic being thing is because of the famous the famous depiction of the angels in the Book of Ezekiel, which is sometimes been referred to as like the Bible's nod to UFOs, because right. it mentions that the angel the cherubim appear and they appear by way of wheels, right. And that the wheels have like they exhibit an intelligence and they're described as wheels within wheels and that they, you know, that they don't move any kind of like normal way because they're always moving on a fixed point. So like that, that raises an interesting question. Like first, like what did Ezekiel see mm-hmm. that he's describing? You know, a lot of it, a lot of people want to say it was just purely metaphorical language, but it seems like he was describing something. Right. Um, and he's interpreting it as angelic. And that raises a whole interesting avenue of conversation because of like, I mean, it's almost like the Christian, the Jewish Christian equivalent to like Vikings meeting the Marvel Universe's Thor and finding out that this being that they worshipped is actually just some sort of elaborate alien. Did you ever see the movie Knowing with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> no. You no. tried to get me to watch that movie. You should watch it. You keep trying to get me to watch that movie. You should. No, I think you would like it. I don't know why you wouldn't. Why you think you would? It's it's totally like up your alley. Like, but this stuff freaks me out too. <laughs> it is kind of freaky. Yeah. yeah. I, no, seriously, I will watch. I will watch. I will watch a penis-headed monster 
rip itself out of people's bodies in, in and fight Sigourney Weaver all day long. Yeah. But you show me a movie where a or a owl looking gray alien abducts people. No, like I find Close Encounters of the Third Kind way scarier than Alien. So you wouldn't like Fire in the Sky, I don't think. <laughs> no, I remember <laughs> when I first saw the preview for that movie as a kid, and I was just like, I would have nightmares about the preview. I want to know, Chuck, as a man of the cloth, yes, as a holy Not man, dressed, but yes, like if this were she revealed, like yes, we've done the studies; these are extraterrestrial. That means that there is extraterrestrial life that is intelligent, and they are visiting us. What would that mean to you? Um. I'll preface, the, I'll preface the question by giving a little backstory because I remember watching one of those History Channel UFO documentaries way back in like 2000, 2001. Yeah. And this mention of that the reason why the truth is covered up is because of concerns that it would like ruin people's religion and that the Vatican has had like regularly issued statements to basically like address it. And I know like even just a couple years ago, Pope Francis basically was like the existence of aliens does not negate Catholic dogma or whatever. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's in the background of these conversations and that, you know, being a, you know, somebody who is always kind of attuned to religious thinking from a young age, like it, you know, it, it's always piqued my interest. And so I've thought about that a lot since I was a teenager um, of like what happens to my religious belief if a UFO lands in front of the White House and we are finally conclusively know we are not alone in the universe. Um, my, from, from, the, from those early thoughts, I've just sort of assumed that what we would have to deal with, we have to, well, one is I don't think it negates the Bible in any way. Because okay. there's some people out there who say like, oh, well, that shows that creationism like didn't happen. Well, I mean, that becomes its own conversation. I don't necessarily believe in creationism. But even when I was still a creationist, I was on board with this idea because I would just assume that what the Bible, the Bible's focus is on the creation of us. Right. It's not dealing with all the other stuff out there. So I would have to assume that God created them for their own purposes and with their own story and their own everything out there. Um, and then, of course, I was, it was, I was, pleasantly surprised when I discovered C.S. Lewis's space trilogy, where he lays out that exact scenario in, in his, in his space trilogy, um, out of the side, oh, what is it? It's a Paralandra out of the silent planet and that hideous strength. Um, Paralandra is the only one of those I've read by the way. And it deals with, um, the Adam and Eve of Venus being confronted with Satan. Um, very interesting book. Um, probably some of C.S. Lewis's best work, actually. It gets really under under celebrated, but way better, way better than Chronicles of Narnia. Um, really, the, the the space trilogy. You think is oh yeah, I think it's way better than because it's, it's it's dealing with way more interesting ideas. Hmm. Um, I know somebody will try to fight me on this, but that's right. <laughs> um, the but yeah, so like that's just what I've kind of always worked on worked out is that that if there are aliens, it, it doesn't affect my religion in the sense that like in terms of like soteriology, like, like salvation theology, mm. because I would have to, I would, I would assume that God's got some other plan for them. Right. Um, it's, I, and it's either 
they have their own thing going with God or they're brought to us because somehow our gospel speaks to them. Right. I'm being risky saying that because I'm writing a novel about that premise and I don't want anybody else to steal that idea. <laughs> um, if anything, it would it would probably expand on your beliefs. It would probably because I mean this is like the definition of world building, right? Like mm-hmm. there's so much more to what we believe probably that's not mentioned in this one, you know, scripture that we have. Yeah, I actually think the I, I think it would be somewhat I think it would be somewhat um positive for us because it would allow one of the things that frustrates me about the human race is and i and i used to talk about this in my i had an annual chapel at my school that i worked at prior to here that i i would bring this up is i would do this whole thing where i would talk about the size of like basically how insignificant we are in the universe and i would just sort of i would start with like here's earth Here's Earth and compared to the sun. Here's our sun and compared to all these other stars getting to like these just hilariously huge stars. And then like, here's the Oort cloud. Here's like, you know, just all, you know, trying to get everybody to sort of sort of expand our perspective. And then I would say, I would end it by saying, now here's the thing. We know for certain, now we can speculate about aliens all we want, but right now, based off of our scientific knowledge, we know that we're it. We're the only intelligent life in the universe. It's the only, we know that for a fact at this point. So why do we pollute the planet? Why do we kill each other? Right? Like this is how precious and special we are. We're unique. We're so unique and that we're going to we're going to fight wars because somebody put their toe over the, some arbitrary line that we determined. We're going to go out and buy guns so that we can kill each other. I just it, it 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 when you start thinking about it on that scale, it just becomes so absurd, but it also becomes like super daunting because it's like there's no plan B. There's nowhere to go. But I think I think that the existence of aliens would probably help snap people into a bit of that perspective of like, oh, the universe is bigger. Yeah, it's huge and it's traversable. And so, like, it might have the effect on us being like, wow, this stuff is silly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, just help offer some perspective. Um, you know, so like, so I, I think it'd be a positive thing. But in terms of the, like I said, in terms of theology, I mean, it does, but it doesn't. I will say the one area where it opens up an interesting avenue is, then it becomes a conversation around, okay, like, well, was Jesus some kind of alien? Yeah. You know, or like when these encounters of of angels were they actually angel? Were they actually alien beings that we were seeing? And then how does that affect some of our stuff or does it reveal that part of their religious their part of their like relationship with god out there has been to be messengers to us mm-hmm. and so like even though they're aliens they're still performing the angelic role and therefore like it still satisfies like what the bible's talking about it just gives us some different insight into what we're seeing but then that then just to keep spitballing this idea, then it then it'll be very hilarious to watch people just go completely insane if they actually look like the cherubim is described in the Bible. <laughs> and they're yeah. not actually little gray dudes with slanted eyes, right? Like they're they're like four faced beasts that covered in wings and eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I try to think a lot about how it would affect me. And it's weird because I don't feel like I have much of an answer. I, I think I would be more fascinated in the scientific implications because I feel like it would, we'd have to do a lot of rewriting, wouldn't we? 
just about like biology and evolution. Mm-hmm. Because the more I learn about evolution, I don't claim to be like a an expert or in Darwin or whatever, but like the chances of if we're looking at it just through the lens of evolution and the origin of life, the chances of this happening, starting with like a puddle to like you and me talking over Skype about aliens are like one in infinite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so for that to happen on another planet, it would be exact same. Maybe not the exact same. There might be, there would be some detours here and there probably, but still arriving to the same conclusion that intelligent life that has the desire to innovate and explore and connect the same way we probably would. I mean, that's probably why I believe more in, 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 in alternate realities than I do in like extraterrestrial life because an I mean, alternate I reality, an alternate, I believe well, in alternate realities too, but, but that's what I'm saying. Why I, I'm more convinced of an alternate reality than an extraterrestrial life because it's like, an alternate reality is just sort of like a ripple of what we already experienced. Like ev- the evolution of a human being is possible in different realities and different dimensions and stuff. You know what? One thing I don't actually hear people talking much about is yeah. What? What if they're time travelers? That too. Like, what if they're why? What if we're seeing like this, like the rise of them in this period because they're like, what really was going on during the Trump administration? What really <laughs> was going along going on during the beginning of this pandemic? And they're just like observing. Like, what if, what if, what if that, that, that ship, that silver ship is basically like the future's version of the magic school bus. And it's just a school trip of future people, <laughs> like kids coming back. Like this is their fourth grade thing. Like, all right, we're going to go back in time. And they're thinking like, yay, we're going to go to like, I don't know. something like, I don't know. <laughs> 1969 landing on the moon or something like that. And like, no, we're going to go to 2017. Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, you, you did mention fight of the navigator and that was a, a time traveling uh, vessel. Sort of. They went back in time, though, right? Like, yeah, they did. But he, it, but that's it's, it's it, but the but the traveling through time was a byproduct oh. of its propulsion system. That's right. He didn't want to. to. He thought it was a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, that could be. I mean, that that could also be a possibility. I try to wrap my my head around like the possibility of time travel, and I still just like I don't I don't get it. Like, I don't know, I can't make sense of time travel outside of, like, a movie, because it it works in a movie, because it works, you're working with the confines of, a, of storytelling, and time travel is just, like, reverse storytelling. But time travel, like, the real world, like, when people try to explain it to me, like, what it would be like, I just, I, I can't grasp it. Like, someone tried to explain it to me, like, if you actually could travel back in time, like, if you went back to the 50s, you would end up in space. You wouldn't be right. here. Yeah, because the universe itself, because the because the, the Milky Way itself is moving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But and I'm so still you like have to you have to calculate for not only like the period of time, but like the exact precise location of the Milky Way and right. Earth within the Milky Way in order to like be on Earth. Yeah. Here's something crazy. Like, well, here's something crazy is this is like when it comes to time travel stuff that I'm like, so you know about photons, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You know that a photon can either be a wave or a particle, and it changes based on whether or not it's observed. Okay. Okay. So a photon in its own, just out there, behaves like a wave. But if you look at it, it becomes a particle. Mm-hmm. Photons are nuts. Okay. So doing lab experimentation, they determined that a telescope, because a telescope is effectively sort of looking like there are certain types of telescopes are looking sort of effectively backwards in time. Right. That 
a telescope could observe a photon that has not yet reached Earth, and therefore it affects the past because that photon becomes a particle in the past. That's insane. So for all we know, we could be rewriting history just by doing observation. Let's say we put a telescope on Mars and we're observing and we're observing that same planet from a telescope on Mars. Mm-hmm. Well, you're encountering that photon before it hits Earth, depending on where Mars is located, of course. But you're 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 hit that that photon is being observed before it ever hits Earth, and therefore you're affecting the past. Right. Again, though, like this stuff has been going on for, I mean, arguably for century. I mean, for for you know. Right. over a thousand years or more right because renaissance art depicts the vessels that look kind of like these things um um the descriptions of people who encounter them the story that gets my the one that gets me is um the infamous aurora texas ufo crash do you know about the aurora texas incident sounds familiar why don't you, why don't you explain it to us so i want to say 1912 was it that it happened um it's sort of sometimes referred to as like texas's roswell but um, the story goes that some form of flying, uh, unidentified flying machine crashed into a wind turbine in Aurora, Texas, way back when. And the people at the time described the pilot of this craft as a Martian. It was dead when they found it. They buried it and gave it Christian burial rites. And they buried it in a small cemetery in an unmarked grave. And then there's been some research going back to the property and there's all this kind of interesting stuff about it. But what always got me about that story was that, and this is what kind of inspired me to start writing the novel that I've been working on for a very long time, is um, the idea that the response to like this alien being was for us to give it a Christian burial. Mm-hmm. Um, I said that was sort of fascinating. That, yeah. That's how they would, that's how we would treat it. And that to me shows that whether or not that incident is true or not, the fact that that's the story that's told shows that I don't think we have to be as worried about our religious ramifications. Right. We'll adapt. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, just like uh, we were talking about Prometheus. Everyone's telling Shaw, hey, you got to take that cross off now. You know, mm-hmm. what's that mean? We've been, we've, we, we figured out we've been seated by other beings. And her response, of course, was, well, who made them? Mm-hmm. which is that you know i mean you're just basically turning another chapter in the, in the history of the cosmos and uh well and and that would get to and you know and if and say we find that out right let's like, so we find out that, the, that these are aliens okay and let's find out that they seeded us at yeah. some point I mean, right. because again th- this is where evolutionary biology is is that something outside of earth had to get us to where we are because we're so weirdly different than every other animal on the planet um, so let's say we find out that, that, that we were seeded and that over the millennia, these aliens have been checking in on us. Yeah. Okay. That kind of oddly fits with like a synthesis of like Christianity and like folk religion, like the lack of better term. Right. Cause I think about this a lot now living in Hawaii and thinking about like the Polynesian religion and, you know, this idea of, you know, it's and it's akin to like. Egyptian religion and all this is right. You know, you had like a particular God who was responsible for particular things. Mm-hmm. And in the story, uh, like within Polynesian religion, I don't want to, it's been a while since I've got all the names, right. So I don't want to get too like, I don't want to misspeak, yeah. but the idea is right. There are, there are like, like, well, there's Pele. Pele is the goddess of fire who's responsible for the volcanoes, which then give 
which become the land and, you know, another alien or another God does. So like, what if, what if like we find that out and this sort of like works out, right? Cause like the way the Christian, the way Christianity can synthesize these two things is basically to say that we don't have to deny the existence of these gods because, well, first of all, the Bible never denies the existence of other gods. It just, you know, cause the Psalms talk about this all the time. So one of the things we've gotten wrong in modern Christianity is we've made it too strictly monotheistic. What we're saying, what Christianity has always claimed, and the Bible has always claimed, is that the Lord God described in the scriptures is like the one unique God, right? But that doesn't mean there aren't other supernatural beings that we would call gods. There might be lesser gods, but, you know, that, that's never been, like the Psalm, one of the Psalms even says, like, you, the God of gods has spoken, right? So, like, there's this recognition that they may exist in some other form, but we have to account for them differently. Um, and that's partly how the, the whole concept of angels developed was after Jews encountered the Babylonian religion and yeah. they were trying to explain the Babylonian gods and account for them. Um, so Christianity can say that like the Polynesian gods or the pagan gods or whatever, like they're some form of supernatural being and they serve a purpose subordinate to like the Holy one, the, yeah. you know, the great I am, the whatever you want to call him. So like, we could then argue the same thing like that. This sort of fits that same mentality of like, okay, so God put it on them to seed this planet to create, like it's all, you know, we can, you can all make account for the fact that it, it serves God's sovereign purposes. Mm -hmm. Like there's different avenues for it. Again, like, I don't know. I'm not saying like, this is how we have to codify it all, but I'm just saying like these are the possibilities. And so I think like, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's different faith. avenues of faith. Like you get to have your faith changes a little. Right. And, and I find it as a way to sort of deepen that faith rather than to obliterate it. You know, I've always wondered, like, <laughs> there was a moment when I was uh, I was marathoning X-Files a long time ago because they all appeared on Netflix for a while. And I was like, I'm going to watch all of X-Files. <clears throat> and um, I just remember being like knee deep and being like, man, I wish all of this was real. And like, why couldn't it be real? Like, if we believe in a God of wonders and a God of infinite possibilities, like, why do we limit his power to just, like, this very narrow view of, like, what he's done that's mm -hmm. recorded in scripture and based on, you know, some testimony? Why couldn't there be Sasquatch? Why, why couldn't there be uh, astral projection or psychokinesis? And it always, like... I, I would always just, my, it would boggle my mind. I remember being at, at, back at our school, PBA, and I had friends, and I would talk to them about, like, what kind of stuff do you like to read? Do you read fantasy do you, or, or watch? you read or watch fantasy, sci-fi? Like, I don't watch that stuff. I'm like, why not? Because that's not real. I'm like, dude, you, you, like, you believe a guy walked on water. Like, your, your whole purpose in life is to devote yourself to a god who has angels <laughs> and like how and, and you watch like x-files like yeah it couldn't happen like yeah. <laughs> right i love the people that say that and then they're like part of like that 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 crazy bethel church where they believe that like god gave them all like gold fillings and stuff <laughs> really i've never heard of that oh yeah dude what <laughs> I, I may have opened a hole for you. Uh oh, <laughs> yes, you have. They are militant. They are militant. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
Uh, and I found a I found a Instagram account dedicated to nothing but criticizing them. Wow, I had to put a pin um, in that one. Yeah, um, I could actually get a guest who is a member of their church if we really wanted to. <laughs> really? Um, okay. Yeah. All right. But um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. But it's it, I, I. But yeah, the point stands, right? Is that I remember I was at remember our our, our first RA Herman, and I remember I came into his dorm once and he was watching. I can't remember what preacher it was, but it's some evangelical preacher. And the guy made a point of saying, he said, he said, we claim to talk to God. Yeah. And we also claim that God talks back to us. Nothing about what we do is normal. <laughs> and I remember finding like a lot of comfort in that. Yeah. Of like, oh yeah, like that, that that's actually true. Like nothing what we do is normal. Right. So that so it adds to that sign that kind of thing of like people who dismiss this stuff and oh it could happen and be like wow what a boring view of the universe and what a and what a like i don't know like i like the i like the idea of just like being open to the possibilities like i like i said last week i've, I've lived my life for a long time just assuming that there are aliens out there uh-huh. and that you know i sort of always believe that someday we'll find out one way or the other and for me like either option's okay Right. I mean, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed if I find out that this is some boring, like, accident, yeah, or something. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it's 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 I don't know. Just I don't like the idea of putting God in a box, mm-hmm. and I don't think the God that's I don't think the Bible wants us to do that. I mean, if you read like the Jewish tradition and the, the Jewish treatment of this stuff, like, you know, these are people who believe that that. God put hidden messages in the Bible that like he just delights in us finding out stuff and like eking out different meanings and ideas and interpretations. And God also takes delight in the idea that like we could surprise him. Right. You know, so like and that's and that's the sort of religion that Jesus grew up with. So this this very like sort of boring and dry version of it. That, I mean, that's I tell I tell parishioners and stuff all the time and Bible students that I, I say one of the worst things we've ever done is make the Bible boring. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, again, Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw the wheel, right? The possibility that UFOs are in the Bible. Like that's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's fun for me. Yeah. There's a way to do it without being like a boring or be a psycho. Right. You know, you don't have to like kick an entire nation out of the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, just just be cool about it. Yeah. So that's my theological piece. I, I, I like I said, I don't think it would. I think that that's just where it is for me. Like, I think it. I think it actually offers the opportunity to deep if you're open to it. It it offers the opportunity to deepen and enrich one's faith. I think so too. You know, and one of the first episodes we did, we talked about signs. I would love to talk about that movie again. Sure. And just how it sort of met halfway between faith and aliens, which like movies don't really do. Well, I guess there was that one movie, Communion. Uh, yeah, based off the book, which I hear is like awful. By the way, I hear it's just like a piece of crap, like just a crappy film. Well, I understand that if you read the actual book, Communion, he never outright spec. He never outright says that they are aliens. I and I do believe he speculates they could be interdimensional beings. So there you go. <laughs> From what I understand there's a dance number in it involving da- dancing. In the movie, aliens. I don't. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know, if if aliens are real, if these are aliens, I just want to know what do they want? Why are they here? And why haven't they made themselves known sooner? Yeah. You know, are they trying to wage interstellar war to warn us of impending cosmic disaster or to abduct us? I don't know. And if they are here to abduct us and experiment on us, will they be gentle? <laughs> or maybe it's racist of us to assume that they all have one unilateral approach. Maybe they're different types. Maybe well, we've talked about this, right? There's, there's the gray, there's the Nordic. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, like, oh, no. let's say it's one species of alien, but they've got to have a complex society like ours, right? So yeah. you've got, so for all we know, like, some of these could be, like, space QAnon. And <laughs> yeah. they think that, like, I don't know, like, our adrenal gland is tasty. I don't know. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, if they are here, all I ask is they just don't look at our Twitter accounts. Just disregard that. You don't have to take that into account. That's there was a so I'll share this story. So like, there's a guy that was from Turkey that was enrolled at Virginia Seminary, and um, I wasn't sure. Like he 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 did not have much exposure to American culture, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why he was enrolled at the school was to be exposed to a lot of that stuff. So we took him to go see uh, Tropic Thunder. And great movie. Uh, right. So all of us going into the movie know at the outset it's a comedy. We've seen the trailers. We know what it is. That's why we're going to see the movie. Um, this guy had not seen any trailers and did not know it was a comedy. Uh-oh. And so it's very violent opening sequence of people like getting blown up, which is, you know, of course, meant to be a spoof of the over the top mm-hmm. violence of war films. Right. Um, Everyone in the theater is dying laughing. And the whole time I'm like, well, this Muslim guy knows why, uh, why we're the great Satan right now, because we're just laughing at death. Um, Cause he wasn't, he was just sort of like looking around. <laughs> um, I mentioned that because that's, that's a human society. Yeah. So what happens when like aliens show up and they watch like Mars attacks? I mean, that's, that's what happens in Explorers, right? The the classic Joe Dante film, Explorers, starring Ethan Hawke, River Phoenix, and I forgot that third kid's name. I don't know his name. Where they, they build the Tilt-A-Whirl and they put it in the force field because Ethan Hawke got a psychic message to build a force field. You remember this movie? Have you seen this movie? I've never even heard of this movie. Are you kidding me, Chuck? I don't think it exists. Oh my gosh! No, you need to watch this right you're away. From Baron, you're from the Berenstein Bears universe, and no. you remember some other movie. Oh my, Chuck Dick Miller is in it. It's one of his best roles. Um, you know who Dick Miller is, right? He's like in every '80s movie. He's in Grim, the guy in Gremlins, who's like, ah, the Gremlins are in your watch. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure if I saw him, I'd recognize him. But I'm also okay. not entirely convinced that he is not an actor in your original universe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a, a self-professed zenial has never heard of explorers. Oh my gosh. Okay, anyway, they find a spaceship, they they meet up with the aliens, they're really goofy looking. And um they talk they talk to them like, "Why did you send us this message? Why did you bring us here? How come you just don't come to Earth?" And like, "Dude, we've seen what you do to us on Earth." And they just show them all the movies they watch with like all the violence being uh, uh, subje- subjected to all these like aliens, like Godzilla and uh, uh, aliens being shot at and stuff. And they're like, "We you know what you do to us." We're like, "It's just TV. It's just movies." Like, yeah, well, I don't know. I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. Nope. 
Okay, you're gonna you're rushed gonna... into prediction. This film was never properly finished. The sort yes, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, it was finished. They named uh, their ship the Thunder Road after Springsteen. Song. Yes, it's a tilt a whirl. It's awesome, Chuck. You're gonna want to find a tilt a whirl and make a spaceship out of it after you watch this movie with your boys and your girl. She'll want to do it too. Dick Miller. Looks like a Dick Miller here. Legendary '80s actor. Oh yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, there's plenty of movies from the '80s that like I've seen that I know like some people don't even know exist. Like, I mean, I was a huge kid. I was a kid. I was a huge fan of The Boy Who Could Fly, and like. I think I might be the only person ever seen that movie. <laughs> I've seen it. I love that. I I loved that movie when I was a kid. I've seen Daryl. <laughs> and I and I and I, I thought that that movie was some kind of weird fever dream until I saw a Workaholics episode where they revolved around somebody trying to reacquire their copy, their VHS, VHS copy of Daryl. I remember that episode. That's good. That and that and that movie was filmed fair like in some areas of Orlando that I frequented. Yeah. So. I kind of want to watch it again. You know, I think you would like it, Chuck, because it is directed by Joe Dante, and he is a he's he's such a good filmmaker. Gremlins is great. Uh, I, I just watched Inner Space for the first time in years the other day and loved it. Loved every oh, minute of it. He didn't do Gremlins, did he? Yes, he did. Okay, he did Gremlins and Gremlins too. Gremlins too. All right, here's, beautiful here's commentary the... on society and media. <laughs> All right, I think I think it's time for me just to pull the trigger on this JP. I should start a letterbox account. Oh, yes, yes. And then what I should do is I should start, like, watching these kinds of movies that I've never seen and, like, posting them and writing about them. You should, All, yeah. Like, JP's recommendations. And that's totally. maybe that's my letterbox identity is I'm JP's recommendations. <laughs> totally. I'll make a list for you. And you just go through that list. You add it to your watch list. I mean, my, my list is hilarious, right? Because I've never seen a single Godfather film. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I've not seen most of the Fast and the Furious franchise. That's fine. You don't have to see that. Um, Die Hard, I I know, is the one that really surprised me that you'd never seen Die Hard. Never seen any Die Hard film. I've never seen Lethal Weapon. I've never seen... uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Nope. Wow. That's like the big three. I've seen Big Trouble in Little China, though, but only on TV. If you watched Beverly Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal Weapon, and Die Hard in one sitting, you'll be a changed man. I'm sure I will be. (laughs) Um... Anyway, but while we're on the subject of movies, uh, did you ever catch uh, The Vast of Night, a movie that came out last year during the pandemic? No. Um, terrific film. Uh, yeah, it's, I remember wanting to see it. Yeah, you you would love it. It's independently made, made by a guy from Oklahoma, by the way, shot in Texas. It takes place in the 1950s in a little small town in New Mexico, even though it was shot in Texas. And it's like it follows two kids. One of them is like an is like a, a, a like a like an operator, or like a switchboard operator, you know. Mm-hmm. And the other one is a DJ, and they keep getting like weird signals. And they're com- they're like you know communicating back and forth. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And then um, you start getting these uh, like it becomes kind of apparent that there's like been a UFO in town, like it, it's flown over or something, and there's there's a UFO somewhere. And then once that happens, like the testimonies start coming in. What's really fascinating about this movie, Chuck, is that it's not like it's not like Close Encounters, in that it's like a, a special effects driven movie. It's dialogue driven because most of the movie is made up of conversations or monologues. Like you get two big testimonies: one from a guy who like may or may not have been part of a salvage team. And another one of like a woman who said like her her kid was abducted, and 
it's just like they go into these long monologues of their experience and it's like it's riveting so i think you would love it and i think everyone who's listening should should check it out um it's on amazon prime so if you have an amazon prime account you can watch it there so let's bring this home first of all i do want to talk about how it is kind of weird that like it's been made known that ufos are real like four years ago and no one is like freaking out about it (laughs) you know what i mean like it's kind of weird that we're not talking about it every single day. Uh, well, that's partly due to the fact that just like <laughs> it's the it's you know what it is like, and I, I'm going to say this: it's it's Trump related, but it's not a criticism necessarily of Trump. But okay. it's right. One of the things that I mean, it's kind of a criticism, but not in the typical way. So Trump was known for the fact that he would throw and this is sort of his policy with a lot of his people they would just throw just a bunch of absurdity all at once yeah and and it would just sort of and and so like you can never really focus on one bit of absurdity yeah and it was sort of it was meant to just bewilder people so that they could you know it was a, they're the kind of weird way of hiding out in the open or whatever yeah on twitter they call it trolling <laughs> but like but you know, i was saying like it would be like before you would some some he would some nuts thing would happen and the and the press would gravitate to it and then another like even more nuts thing would happen and we just never followed up on the previous nuts thing yeah because it just kept escalating and it was just a constant barrage of just you know craziness um, and that was intentional like that's not just that was it was an intentional strategy that 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 is used um, by people in his camp um, because of anti truth. I think that's one of the reasons, though, why we're not talking about this more. And it's not I'm not saying it's because of Trump. I'm just saying it's because, like, we had the Trump administration with all of its craziness. And then we you know, we've had the pandemic. We've had, um, you know, we've had, uh, you know, racial tensions and violence. We've had, you know, just been so many things happening in the past, like, few years that did like that aliens is kind of the less crazy thing. I think what you're trying to say is that our media, our news, our way of uh, absorbing information has become so sensationalized that we've become desensitized to any kind of like new shocking information. Right. We're it's it's like the World Weekly News made real. Right. Yeah. (laughs) If you told me today that there is a bat boy, but like I know. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Bat Boy. That's where coronavirus came from. Was from Bat Boy. We know. Just... And also the fact that this is sort of happening like in the middle of a pandemic, it is kind of like, like just imagine a movie like Outbreak or something, and all of a sudden someone like lean over does nothing. By the way, there might be UFOs. <laughs> Not to change the plot or anything. It's just what's happening. Like, are they linked? Did the virus come from the UFOs? No. It's just also happening. It's just also there. (laughs) You know what it's like? It's like, it's like those moments in like big, in like big comic book events. Yeah. And you know, where like the main event is happening, like let's say it's happening between the Avengers and X-Men or it's happening between like the Justice League and like the Suicide Squad. Yeah. But the storyline doesn't involve like the entire comic book universe. Right. But they feel that it's big enough that every issue has to reference it. Yeah. And so like, you'll be reading it, like you'll be reading a show of Spider-Man 
and it's just like its own crazy plot like he's dealing with the rhino and the vulture teaming up to do whatever and then like black cat shows up and she's like oh isn't it crazy what's going on over there between the x-men and the avengers and it's like oh yeah totally and then it's like back to their thing like that's what it's like and that was always the obstacle that Disney, everyone who has ever worked for Disney and Marvel, is that, like, how do we craft this world and they not know about, like, what's going on across the country and, like, not bother each other? I'm like, well, <laughs> according to real life, UFOs and a pandemic can happen at the same time. We're in an interesting time right now this month because once all of this was made public, once this guy stepped down, and all of these numbers were revealed uh, about how much money the department was getting. Congress is now very interested in what the Pentagon knows. And it's not just the left or the right. It's actually both. Both Democrats and Republicans are like, hey, you got to like give us a report or something. So that's what they've been doing. They, they, I think they, they added it as a stipulation to the to the the um, the stimulus bill in December, back in December 2020, that the Pentagon Thanks, has, huh? Thanks, Donnie. Yeah, the yeah, is the stipulation so that the Pentagon has to pass, has to report on this this UFO, this this UAP guff, right? And what's what's interesting about it is that I feel like the reason why they're so interested in it, and I'm going to kind of demystify this a little bit. I think the reason why they're so interested is because when you look at the program itself, it funneled in about $22 million and then was like completely covered up and buried, right? Super secretive program. Um, this is from the New York Times. The shadowy program, part of, parts of it remained classified, began in 2007, and initially it was largely funded at the request of Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time, and who has long had an interest in space phenomena. Most of the money went to an aerospace research company run by a billionaire entrepreneur and longtime friend of Mr. Reed's, Robert Bigelow, who is currently working with NASA to produce expandable craft for humans to use in space. The expandable craft are cool. Have you seen those things? I don't think I have. It, it like, inflates oh. in space because they're, like, if it inflates... Oh, is that it, what they use to land on Mars? No, 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 no. Like this, like so. You're you're basically like you're getting like imagine like Slinky Dog, okay, or whatever, right? So like when you put the two halves together, it's just like this big, and then once it gets into orbit, they inflate it, huh. and so now like there's like the the hard components are on the sides, or whatever, but the middle is like this big balloon, like an accordion that has been designed to withstand space hmm. or whatever. And then you have like living quarters and everything in there so that you can actually pack an entire ship into a smaller space. But once it's in space, so you don't have to use as much fuel. Two other former senators and top members of a defense spending subcommittee, Ted Stevens, an Alaskan, uh, an Alaska Republican, and Daniel K. In new. Inway. Inway. Yes, Daniel K. That's our guy. Daniel K. Inway, a Hawaii Democrat. Also supported the program. The Honolulu Airport's named after him. Okay. Mr. Stevens died in 2010 and Mr. Enway in 2012. Sorry, sorry. One other side note. Uh, there's some evidence that he, as a child, may have been involved at my church. Anyway. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so you have these other senators involved, and this other senator, Harry Reeve from Nevada, 
Area 51, located in Nevada. In cahoots with this guy, Bigelow, billionaire researcher. One of those, uh, you could argue, a Prometheus-type researcher, as it kind of reads here, because he's an entrepreneur and a scientist. So Mr. Reed said his interest in UFOs came from Mr. Bigelow. In 2007, Mr. Reed said in an interview, Mr. Bigelow told him that an official with the Defense Intelligence Agency had approached him wanting to visit Mr. Bigelow's Utah uh, ranch in Utah, where he conducted <clears throat> research. Uh, Reed said he met with agency officials shortly after his meeting with Mr. Bigelow and learned that they wanted to start a research program on UFOs. Uh, Reed then summoned Mr. Stevens and Mr. Unway to a secure room in the Capitol. Uh, and then they said the meeting with Stevens and Unway uh, was one of the easiest meetings I've ever had. None of these three, none of these three senators wanted a public debate on the Senate floor about the funding for the program. Mr. Reed said, or Mr. that's what Mr. Reed said. This was so-called black money. Stevens knows about it. Unway knows about it. But that was it, and that's how we wanted it. Mr. Reed was referring to the Pentagon budget for classified programs. So this whole thing, ATIP, <laughs> was basically funded with dark money. Dark money is basically like, it's money that doesn't come specifically from like taxpayers or the government. It comes from billionaires and like outside sources to fund something kind of like under the table. Right. And because it's not involving taxpayer money, that means it's not necessarily subject to the scrutiny and review of Congress and things like that. Yeah. So as much as we can, like, kind of look at the idea of like, oh, a secret a secret department within the government within the government studying UFOs and like be kind of mystified by it. This was funded by dark money. Uh, and I think the reason why Congress is so interested, I mean, I, I'm sure they're interested in like what they found. They did find stuff. Yeah, it's something worth looking at, but at right. the same from a time, security standpoint, it's important. Yeah, but at the same time, you got twenty-two million dollars from where? <laughs> well, you didn't even. You guys just got together and just like, oh, we're going to do it. We're not going to debate about it. Like, we're not going to tell anybody. We're just going to hide it. And you know, Pentagon has actually the Pentagon has been dragging its feet on this thing, even though they're the ones to try to cover it up because it's like no one wants to like show their dirty laundry. <laughs> you know, like this was kind of done. This is all done under the table, right? So. Well, and then, and with that level of shadiness, it already also puts into question like whatever the report itself is. Yeah, like, is it going to be accurate to begin with? Right, and that's going to be released uh, before the end of this month. Probably by the time this episode airs. Yeah, so Pentagon is putting together a report to submit to Congress, and we'll I guess we'll see what what Congress thinks and what they find. Hey folks, it's JP. Just interrupting myself for a minute to let you all know that the report did in fact drop before we released this episode. And if you're interested in reading it, um, there's a great article in the Washington Post all about it. Uh, we'll link to it in the description of the episode, either on YouTube, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and our socials. Uh, take a look at it. It's really interesting. Uh, back to the episode. And what um, if- what if, what if it's like, you know, you know the story about Moby Dick, right? Like how Moby Dick did not do well as it, when, it, when it was initially published? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm right. Yeah. And, and the reason why it didn't do well is because by the time Nathaniel Hawthorne finally finished that massive book and got it to press. Huh? You mean Melville? John Melville? Yeah, I said Melville. You said Nathaniel Hawthorne. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Herman Melville. Herman Melville, yeah. <laughs> uh, finally finished that massive book. Um, the whaling industry was like done. Yeah. And so nobody bought it because this, like nobody cared about the whaling industry. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like there was some kind of I can't remember like some discovery that like led to like there was no need to like get whale oil anymore and nobody wore tricorn hats and any of that stuff yeah. anyway the reason i say i bring that up is like watch this episode be like this it's like we're, we're doing all speculation of aliens we're going to put it out and then like next week because you know we record this the week before it goes out so like on next tuesday we're going to find out and they're going to be like oh yeah it was like some drones from some mit students that did they can, this. They can break the sound barrier without sonic boom and we're just going to be like oh man yeah well <laughs> Also in this article, and I failed to mention it, this guy, Luis Elizondo, revealed that some of that money also went to building facilities in Las Vegas to house material that they had salvaged that supposedly fell from space. Yeah. And they said, we really couldn't put in any other kind of facility. We had to, we had to, we had to make a special facility for it. Well, then where was it before? I don't know. They just found it. I don't know. I, I don't but know. Like, I don't know. Area fifty one, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and that's I mean, so so you brought you you finally brought it up, buddy. You brought up the the magic word, Area fifty one. Yeah. Um, the like I watched this. I saw this one documentary about Area fifty one that was like specifically like it was not about the alien stuff. It was just about the fact that it's such a secretive facility. Right. And in there was a story of a guy who came home. He was he worked there. He's like a sanitation guy who worked at area 51 and he came home got sick developed like orange colored scales on his body and like the doctors couldn't identify like what was wrong with him and when like his family were like putting in requests with like his superiors to like what was he exposed to like we're not allowed to tell you Oh my God. And and like I think the dude died, and there was and it was it wasn't until after that they were like, oh yeah, apparently he was downwind of some like nuclear waste pile and must have got exposed to some kind of radiation or whatever. But the thing is, is like they, they, they everything there is so secretive that like they couldn't even tell this guy's family what he may have been exposed to. Like they had to sue just to get some information about what like killed their husband and father, and. Like they like the same documentary had people who tell stories about how like they would work on aircraft, and then an alarm would go off, and that meant they all had to take everything they were doing into the hangar and close the hangar, and they could not come out until the second alarm was let off because some other experimental thing was being worked on, and they were not allowed to see it. So like, like highly siloed operations within the facility itself. Yeah. So like that's where like the idea that this could be some secretive, like. U.S. military tech that they're working on without anyone else knowing, mm-hmm. and that 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 why like I would sort of wouldn't be surprised at all. We find out it's like it's our own thing, and just the way like the layers of secrecy around it all work. This is we're investigating ourselves, but I mean who knows? But anyway, the point being though, like, but that is fascinating. I've forgotten that they built facilities to house stuff they found. Yeah, that there um, actually are salvage teams that go out and find. All right, I'm calling it. We're gonna narrow to we're gonna narrow to narrow narrow to run those facilities <laughs> instead of Area 51 to try to see at least like the junk from them aliens. Yeah, them aliens. Yeah, that's also why I think this is in the public. I think, I think that whole 
internet meme of rushing area 51 they yeah. got scared because they thought we might actually learn the truth we got to we got close to home and so now they're giving us a little little pressure valve thing to yeah probably they know we know they know and we're, we're not going to take it i played the game no. area 51 in arcades i was very good at it you should be afraid of me our listeners listen um if if this recording comes out and then we suddenly just don't have episodes come look for us because it means we've been silenced yeah avenge us avenge us naruto <laughs> run to the nearest military facility they can't catch you all father chuck thank you so much for being here i'm glad you're here and not uh in a ufo being experimented on i mean i want to be in the ufo i don't need to be experimented on but i want to be in the ufo well, i'll be your missionary come on well, uh, so that's that's all we have for this week. Um, join us again next week. Uh, and until then, good journey. Good journey to the stars. Yeah. Okay.